Hello, good morning, happy new year. How are you? Philip in for Claire for another few days. On the programme today, damned if they teach, damned if they don't. How should schools adjust to a looming Omicron peak? Can't see the wood for the red tape. Minister Pippa Hackett on the backlog in forestry licences. Northerners need not apply. RTE retains its ban on six-county competition entry. Game of Thrones will preview the political year ahead. Bad blood, medtech visionary and billionaire Elizabeth Holmes found guilty of defrauding investors. And internal combustion or battery, the choices you'll make if you have to buy a car in 2022. Also, a day of infamy, the shadow cast by Bloody Sunday, 50 years on with historian Dermot Ferreter. Text us this morning on 51551, email today cb at rte.ie or on Twitter, we are at Today with Claire. Unions and school management bodies will meet Minister for Education Norma Foley today in advance of the scheduled reopening of schools on Thursday. The ASTI said it will be proposing a staggered reopening in which face-to-face teaching with exam year students should be prioritised. In a moment I'm going to be joined on the line by Michael Gillespie, General Secretary of the Teachers Union of Ireland, TUI, and by Colm O'Rourke, Principal of St Patrick's Classical School in Navan County Meath. First though, our reporter Brian Connell spoke to locals in Cork last night outside the Mercy Hospital about school reopening and how they feel heading into 2022. What about schools going back this week? I don't think they should. Okay. I'll be honest. Yeah. I don't think they should. And you see, this is where we differ then because I think they're safer in schools where there are some restrictions than they are not in school. But if, if you have no schools, you'll find that the amount of children that are in the supermarkets is triple and quadruple. I'd say by March, we should be pandemic free. We will be okay. You're optimistic? Uh, well, she's after having it twice. So I have it twice. Optimistic. So, you she's know, a I'm, a, a I'm a healthcare worker. So I did get it twice. First time, okay. Second time, not so much. Very sick. Very, very bad. How did you find it over Christmas? It was grand, but no, I it's, go, it's going to get very bad now because I know very close, a lot of people with COVID last year, I didn't know no one, everyone heard it, but no one knew about it, you know? But no, everyone has someone with it. I think the school shouldn't open either. That's what I think. Have you school-going children? I do, yeah. Oh. Why do you think the schools shouldn't go back? Because when they, when they go back into school, it's going to, it's going to be rampant. Uh-huh. It's just going to be rampant in that age group. The government are to make a decision on, on whether to reduce the isolation period for close contacts. What do you think about that? Well, if people are vaccinated, I think yes. Yeah. For you as a healthcare worker going into work now, how do you feel going into work next week or the week after? Well, you see, I'm still out of work because of COVID, okay. you know, and I still have underlying problems and I still have this, that and the other thing, the same as anybody else, you know, with long COVID. For my my colleagues, I would say, you know, keep them safe as well. And if people are not vaccinated, how can you do that? Opinion fairly evenly divided there, which just goes to show you how hard it is going to be to devise a policy that's going to satisfy everybody. Michael Gillespie, General Secretary of the TUI. Good morning and Happy New Year to you. Good morning, Philip. Uh, should schools reopen on Thursday as normal? Well, I, I don't think schools are going to reopen as normal, but they should reopen. I think it's very it's critical that the decision is left to schools on the basis of what's going to be 
they're going to be facing. Most schools at this stage don't know how many teachers or how many students are going to be available for school on Thursday morning. And it's important that each school is able to make decisions based on that. That may include uh, leaving programs at home or leaving certain groups at home. Hopefully they will be prioritising special uh, education classes, uh, the exam classes, there'll be some sort of priority and hopefully guidelines will come out of today's meeting with the Minister on that. Uh, but I think it is important that every school opens um, with whatever restrictions that they may have to be applied based on the, the staffing that's available. I mean, it's a, a school has to open and it has to open not just with the health and safety about COVID, but other health and safety restrictions there. So there has to be teachers to teach in front of classes. That sounds like you're moving pretty much in lockstep with the ASTI. Well, we're, well, as I said, we think it's going to be up to, I don't think it's one size will fit all. I think we are going to have schools that may be able to totally fully open on, on Thursday because we don't know the actual effect in each, in each school. Um, we could have a school where there might be 20% of the staff missing and they may have been able to, to source subs and there may be no effect. But there may be schools that are 25% or 30% missing. Then, then the tough decisions may have to be made in those schools. But we're t- talking about it being based on a on a school by school basis, as opposed to one size fits all across the country. Okay. I see some criticism being raised of the ASTI for having only raised in this letter to the minister yesterday its concerns when Omicron became the dominant variant in the country on the 19th of December. Is it a fair criticism that the teacher Teachers' unions were a little bit behind the mark in addressing this? Well, the COVID has been continuously changing. It, it, it's very hard to respond to whatever's happening with it. Um, the one thing it's, it's always doing is continuously evolving and continuously surprising us. The big thing with Omicron, of course, is the transmissibility. It's far more transmissible uh, than, than the Delta variant was. And therefore, that's why we're seeing such huge numbers. So now we have to deal with that from Thursday which we all knew, not just teachers, back on the 19th of December. Exactly. But now we're facing it. Now students are coming back. So we're we're, we're planning for that. Now, obviously, we're we're going to be looking today at maybe upping the grade of mask that has to be used, that has to be looked at. Um, You know, know, are cloth masks good enough? Are we going to have to use medical grade masks of a higher level? Uh, So these are things that we're going to have to take into account. And the decision will have to be made before Thursday Mm -hmm. on that. You've seen in the United States how they've reduced the isolation period from 10 to 5 days where people are asymptomatic but have been a close contact. If a decision was like, like that was to be reached, is that one that the TUI could get behind, do you think? Well, as long as it's based on public health advice, we've always said we'll support whatever the public health advice is. So if the public health advice is that isolation for someone who's a close contact, um, uh, maybe, and a, and a household member is five days, then obviously we'll support that. But as long as it's supported by research and it's the public health advice. Tell me how the substitute teacher panel is or isn't working. This was an initiative that was first promised by the minister back in July of 2020. Is it doing its job? Well, the, the panel is for national schools. We're second level schools. So we don't, we, we don't, it's, it's not as simple as replacing one teacher with one teacher. We have subject specific teachers. So we're, we're, we don't operate on panels as, as such. Schools are responsible for recruiting their own substitutes. And it's based on subjects because obviously we have a wide range of subjects in a school. 
Obviously, in second level, we had a teacher supply crisis long before uh, COVID, and that's what's exasperating uh, our problem. We may have subs on Thursday, but they may not be in the subjects where we need them. So we may just have people in front of classes as opposed to the subject qualified teachers. And that's been a continuous problem over the last number of years at second level. You heard the call yesterday made by the Special Rapporteur for Children uh, that uh, suspending face-to-face teaching dis- um, disproportionately disadvantages those from poorer backgrounds. Is that something that you're conscious of now as you try and address this problem? Absolutely, and the TUI has always said that. We represent an awful lot of uh, deaf schools, the disadvantaged schools, and we would have seen that type of student, uh, you know, he's just confirming what the TUI has always been saying. Those students were the ones who suffered the most because they didn't have access to broadband, they didn't have access to devices, uh, whereas other students, you know, did benefit from online learning. A lot of disadvantaged students didn't. Um, So we'd be fully supportive that that would have been actually what's happening here. Would we be having this conversation now if greater efforts had been made with the ventilation of classrooms, with the installation of filters and perhaps with recommending upgraded masks? Obviously, all those things would have helped and we've been calling for a lot of those for the last two years. Uh, it's unfortunate that the HEPA filters, I suppose, had only been decisions and money was made available before Christmas. But again, that's causing problems in that, uh, you know, there's a, there's a the advice that's needed, you know, how many do you need in a certain room? What type of HEPA filter suits certain places? All that is being, uh, you know, is being left up to individual schools to decide in what is an extremely busy situation anyways. I mean, principals are trying to do too much at the moment. Yet putting something else on top of them has been very, very difficult for them. We also think that CO2 monitors have now told us what rooms in schools have poor ventilation. So we now know the schools and rooms that have poor ventilation. We also know that some rooms we have to open windows too much and the, 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 the students are freezing because that to bring down the CO2 levels. We think now that those rooms should be getting mechanical ventilation, you know, fresh air in, old air out, and heat exchangers so that we're not losing the heat. This would be a long-term investment, which would be not just for 2022, but 2023. And it would solve a problem now that we've identified poor ventilation in some of these classrooms. And it would future-proof these classrooms. Michael Gillespie, General Secretary of the Teachers' Union of Ireland. Thanks. Also on the line, Colm O'Rourke, Principal of St. Patrick's Classical School in Navan, County Meath. Colm, you're a member of the ASTI, aren't you? No, I am not, Philip. Never. <clears throat> I have a long-standing issue with the ASTI. Okay, my apologies. I was confused on that. Uh, so, what is your attitude towards what they are seeking now? Well, I can understand fully the position they're taking, but uh, I think uh, we should try and base our opening of schools on hope rather than fear. And uh, a lot of what Michael Gillespie has said is absolutely true. And the Special Rapporteur report Uh, which suggested there was a lot of damage done last year during the lockdown and it was a grim period for all and I think it has done a lot of damage. I think that students in general, their special memories of schools are about a lot of the things other than the subjects in which they were taught and without that social mixing has done a lot of damage. So I would hope that we could be able to open Uh, The idea, I think, that Michael has suggested is quite true. It's a blunt instrument to say that maybe we should bring in, say, exam classes and leave others out because uh, the realities of school situation is that uh, teachers may be out, may not, may be teachers of exam subjects more than other classes. So uh, each school would be better to make judgments themselves on a day-to-day basis on what year to 
bring in, and I would hope that we would be able to bring in everybody. Has any school ever experimented yet with um, remote teaching for the teacher, where the class can be present, but the teacher has to isolate, that uh, you would put a screen in or a video taught uh, class for, for those pupils who are able to attend? Yes, that's a regular occurrence and has been happening in many schools over the last year or two years because uh, I think remote teaching has moved up about 10 years in the space of a couple of years and all this online thing has made a massive jump forward. So we and others have been using that system where somebody would supervise the class and a teacher who was unable to attend sick from home or whatever were able to do their class and have it beamed live into the students. That can happen. It, it, there are problems and there are issues with it. It's not simple. And the other thing about it, too, is if a teacher, say, has COVID and they're isolating <clears throat> excuse me, at home, are they expected to teach their class while they're out sick? which uh, wouldn't be the case and may not be possible for them in many cases. No, but where they are asymptomatic, how quickly can you pivot? Like if I said to you today, um, sorry, Colm, not going to be able to attend tomorrow, uh, can you turn it around within with less than 24 hours? Yes, absolutely. It would be quite possible to do it on the day even. Okay, and how is your lineup looking for Thursday now? Do you think that you're going to have a full slate of teachers and pupils? Yeah, well, I, I think that we are going to be down possibly two teachers at this stage, and I don't know how many students. And uh, like school works okay once the teachers are in. If students are absent, at least school goes ahead. But I, I, I would hope that maybe teachers and students could all take antigen tests today or tomorrow. I think that would be a good idea for everybody. Mm. And then we would have a better, uh, better view of things by tomorrow evening. Uh, Schools generally are now being run on a sort of a crisis management basis on a day-to-day, and we saw that coming up to Christmas. We were really all struggling in the last week before Christmas, and I think we were all glad to get out of there. And it's going to have to be the same, I think, for the month of January. But on balance, I think it's much, much better for everybody if we try to get all students and teachers on site. Yes, there is, though, a shortage of antigen tests at the moment, something that we're going to be discussing with the pharmacies a little bit later on in the programme. Let me bring in Aileen Hickey, CEO of Parentline. Uh, good morning to you, Aileen. Happy New Year. What are you hearing from parents? Uh, good morning, Philip. Uh, I, I think, actually, you know, listening to the box pop that Brian did earlier, that's the sample of what we're hearing um, from parents on the line. 50-50. So we're hearing... Yeah, we're hearing that parents... Now, first of all, obviously, parents will always put the health and safety of their children as their priority. But, they, you know, they're confused. They're confused as to, you know, first of all, is, is Omnicom a, a serious threat to the health of their children? They're worried about the immense transmissibility of the variant to their own wider family. But they're also balancing that against the damage to their, to their children's mental health if schools don't reopen. Because, you know, all parents... Have, well, most parents have been left with a very bad taste in their mouth from previous school closures. And some children uh, missed, you know, 90 to 110 days of school over the last uh, 18 months, two years. And, and, and the, the effect there, the impact uh, on children of those previous school closures wasn't just academic. And that would have been very much the lower tier. It would have been on children's mental health and on their general development and their social development. And, and parents remember that very strongly. But now, again, having that said, you know, parents, if they were told that schools were a safe environment, uh, which the message isn't really getting there, and if they were told what the isolation period was, because, again, there's a huge question mark over that, parents are, are confused as to whether 
the isolation period comes from a PCR test or whether it comes from an antigen test if a child is symptomatic. A lot of children can't get PCR tests. So, you know, they're, they're concerned about what the isolation period are. So uh, think, where is the I best think, one-stop shop for that information in your experience, Aileen? Well, I, you know, again, you have to go with public health guidelines. So, you know, the, the, I, you know, you have to go to the HSC and the Department of Education websites for that. But even there, it, you know, it's, it's still not quite clear. So, you know, there, I mean, I think school guidelines need to be issued before Thursday, putting more clarity on the situation okay. for parents. You know, and, and, I'll, and, I'll, and Philip, going back, you know, I mean, I, I know Michael mentioned there, but the health filtration units have been talked about for the last 18 months. I don't know why they haven't been put into more schools because, you know, it, you know I, I know it's not a one-size-fits-all, but, you know, they should have been put in place at this stage, as should have been, uh, you know, a bigger investment in ventilation. Mm-hmm. Antigen tests at this stage should be provided to parents and children, um, you know, uh, on a free basis so that parents can test if, if their children. they If they can be sourced. Are parents, be sourced yeah. are parents understanding in your experience of why it is that the unions and the minister are only meeting with 24 hours to go? basically before kids go back to school uh, or do they feel that a decision should have been reached before now? Absolutely. I mean, I think parents again feel that the rug has been pulled out from under their feet um, and that they're not getting the clarity and they're not getting the certainty and everything is coming at the last minute. This is Tuesday. The schools, as we're, as we're told, are supposed to reopen on Thursday, but there's a huge amount of question marks over that. You know, and, and you know, I, I think the messages coming from the unions isn't really helping there because, you know, again, there's further confusion today as to whether schools will reopen or not because of the calls from the ASCI and the TUI. Um, this is just what we're hearing from parents. You know, again, as I say, you know, parents, mm-hmm. their primary concern is keeping their own children, you know, safe and healthy and their wider families safe and healthy. But obviously, if they were told schools were a safe environment and the kids can go back in, you know, parents would be very happy with that because, again, you know, parents, a lot of parents have gone back to work now in the workplace. So they also need to put systems in place themselves for childcare if there's a situation where schools don't go back in or where they go back in on what's been called for by the ASTI on a delayed and staggered basis because a lot of parents have children in, you know, in, in various uh, schools. Various and in levels various and stages and years in school, absolutely. School. Yeah, so, okay. yeah, so it's not as simple as that. Aileen Hickey, CEO of Parent Line, thank you very much. And Colm O'Rourke, Principal of St. Patrick's in Navan in Meath. 51551 on the text line. Patrick in Dublin says schools should delay reopening by two weeks and then reduce the long-term holiday by two weeks. Uh, on the other end of that spectrum, though, another text says creches had to lead the way and open their doors this morning. If they can do it, the schools can too. We owe it to our children. Six-year student here has tested positive on antigen last week. Others from their class are the same. Can't get a PCR test. Second antigen now positive. Who knows what Thursday will bring. And another one. Antigen tests are scarce now and also expensive for many families struggling in the post-Christmas weeks. That, as I say, is something that we're going to be talking about with the pharmacies a little bit later on in the programme. Right now, though, let's take a break. Text 51551. Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1.